When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello everyone and welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. The football may have stopped, but we haven't because of course there's always something going on around Rangers. My name's David Edgar, I am your host as always and joining me this week to discuss uh, a big change at the top of the Rangers pyramid with Dave King stepping down as he had intimated in December. He would step down at the end of March, he's kept his word and uh, Douglas Park has been appointed as the temporary chairman. Joining me to discuss it is Andy McGowan. Hello big man, how are you doing? How are you coping? I think it's fair to say. I'm coping fine, David. I'm the same as you. This is nothing to me sitting in the house and not speaking to folk. I'm, I'm more antisocial than I've ever realised, to be honest. Tonight, I'm just finally realising it as well. You've been missing the games, though. I'm, I'm missing the football. And, uh, but there is a kind of double-edged sword there because, uh, you know, I was kind of wanting a season to end and get the pain over with. So we may get a wee bit of chuckle if, if Null and Boyd comes into play, but who knows? Either way, it's been besmirched. So that's got to be a positive. Yeah, there's no way that uh, anything can be done this this season is is null and void. I think that that's increasingly becoming obvious to to even the most hardened supporter of a certain team. And when you see things uh, like this morning where it's been announced uh, Juventus fans are campaigning that they are not awarded the title. They don't want it, so they haven't won it. Um, can't imagine that catching on in Scotland. But uh, yeah, I, I think that that will become... Obviously, more of an issue. It was interesting that that was the first concern of certain people in Scotland, but uh, I don't think we could expect anything less. But the big Rangers news, of course, David, uh, uh, is that David King has stepped down as chairman. Now, I I was interested, first of all, with how this was framed by certain sections of the media. Dave King said in December that he would step down as chairman at the end of March. Here we are at the end of March. Dave King said he was stepping down. And yet, 
some of the papers, including you know the Daily Record, ran with the headline "King Walks Away," which was you know just so obviously Celtic supporter porn that it was actually quite tragic. And I, I didn't quite understand this this sort of idea they were trying to spin that he was getting out of Dodge when, in fact, he'd been very honest and said the coronavirus crisis has, has badly affected my businesses. I need to be full time on them. But he didn't actually do anything he hadn't said he was going to do. No, so there's, there's two sides to this. There's the truth and then there's the newspapers because um, I think we live in a, a clickbait world. I think we all realise that. But there is obviously an appetite for it and, and it's what these journalists are targeted for, to be quite honest. At all levels, even for supposed broadsheets, it's clickbait that, that pays the bills now. So the, I thought that headline itself was a disgrace, but it wasn't a surprise because um, that's the nature of the beast now. There, there is not going to be any circumstances which a Ranger story gets spun in a positive fashion. And I think we've kind of came to terms with that, but it still, it still annoys me when I see it because you feel like saying, well, it means we've got to explain, you've got to speak to people that sometimes take it face value that actually that's not the case at all. So it all adds to the kind of damage to the brand, the the truth, and, and, and can sometimes unsettle supporters of our club because really at the end of the day, that's all that matters. The message to them are they getting it and do they understand it? That's that's my main concern when I see headlines like that. The Dave King's statement was was honest, I felt, where he said, you know, my businesses are struggling, I've got to go and, and deal with this. And I think that I'd have been a little bit more concerned had he not been quite as honest with that. But one of the things that the media have tried to say is that the statement that he issued was contrary to the statement Douglas Park issued in terms of how the club is to be financed going forward. Was there any truth in that? Or, again, was this just some negative spin? So I think I, th- I think they were picking, uh, splitting hairs there. I thought that, I think um, one statement, so I think perhaps someone for Rangers said things were at a well-advanced stage. And uh, that is always going to be the case with a share issue. A share issue doesn't happen to snap your fingers. What happens is there's got to be things put in place, legal agreements, uh, particularly when we're doing it and the way we're doing it, but there's a number of parties at the table. So for Rangers to say it was well advanced and for King to say, well, actually it'll be delayed, those two things can can, can exist in, uh, together. You know what I mean? They can be well advanced but delayed. So I think there's a wee bit of mischief making there. And I thought that article by the Sun, again, was light on facts and high on, um, how can I put it, conjecture. So I, I was not overly concerned by that because I think the, the sheer issue will happen. I think the fact it's delayed is a natural thing. I'd be actually more concerned, David, if we were going through doing a share issue and we weren't fully cognizant of where we were in terms of the damage by the coronavirus issue. So mm. really, you could, you could have a share issue, run it, and then say, shit, that wasn't enough, or we could have done more, or we've got this additional cost, or the, or the season uh, doesn't get restarted, there's a loss of income. Anything could have happened. So the share issue will happen, but I think it will happen when the board and investors, the people that are actually putting their money up, are uh, fully aware of what they're dealing with. I think it'd be a sheer issue in the, in the dark just now if they ran it without this kind of thing playing out. So, again, newspapers needn't to fill column inches and, and get clicks on websites. I think that explains more of that than actually the, the substance of the story. And I think it's important to stress at this point then to fans that 
we've got to all be quite adult about this, and it doesn't help when the media spin everything the way they do. And of course, you've got the kind of Sevcoholics out there who are, you know, basically anything at Ibrox. Somebody forgot to turn the light on last week at the stadium, and therefore the lecky bill is going to cripple us. When that noise is going about, it is hard to sort the week from the chaff. But Let's be adult about it. Coronavirus is having a massive impact on the world economy and the football economy is no different. And Rangers, along with every other uh, club, are going to have to make decisions and change certain things in their plans uh, around this. This is a fact. Coronavirus is is, the biggest thing that's happened probably in my lifetime. And of course, clubs are being affected by it. I I, I mean, there's no question. There's no football club on the planet that isn't going to have an impact on that with this because um, it would be absolute lunacy to think there's any club unaffected by it. And I think we were probably quite surprised to see some of the first clubs to action uh, remediation with their players' wages and so forth. So Barcelona, Juventus, Bayern Munich, I think, were in there. These are major, major clubs. Now, obviously, the argument there is that they've got massive, massive wage bills. So it's all kind of economies of scale stuff, but the same token, everything's relative. So um, I think the fact that they led the way early doors tells a big story and that there will be very, very few clubs, if any, that can um, sail through this without having an impact. And you're bang on about the environment we live in because we, uh, we do live in an information society. The coronavirus in itself is the first social media, 24-hour TV news a pandemic, which I think is an added dimension that you can't discount because it just adds to the fuel of the fire. So when you're talking about Rangers in the context of finances in Scotland, there is never ever going to be anything that happens within Rangers um, finance-wise that doesn't get scrutiny. Unfair scrutiny, who knows? I don't know. But um, the people are usually scrutinising it have probably usually made their mind up before they open their mouths or, t- or type into their word processor or whatever they're using now. Um, so if it comes out the Rangers are making remediations to wage bills, costs, cash flows, asking for season ticket money, like whatever it is, it should be taken in the context that this isn't a Rangers issue. This is purely and simply uh, an industry issue, first of all, but beyond that, a global economy issue. So I don't think that the, the, the we should be um, concerned as such that there's something happening to Rangers that is any way a flashback, or worthy of a flashback to the, the dark days of 2011, 2012 and everything that we went through since then. I think it's only natural, David, the Rangers fans get annoyed in their stomach when they see something that is um, potentially damaging and negative in terms of the finances. I, I, I totally get it. We've all been there, we've all felt it, and, and uh, it wasn't just a, a thing that we, we could kind of let wash over us. We really, really felt it, and we worried about our club, and we still do. And I don't think that's a particularly bad thing because what it should do is it should kind of stop the the likelihood of things going uh, too far as they did before. So it will come. Um, I'd be very, very surprised if uh, it doesn't happen sooner rather than later. But what I would be saying is to my fellow Rangers fans is keep it in context. Every club will be doing this. It's just a matter of how it's managed by um, the club itself and getting the message out because it'll be a very, very difficult message to get out without it being taken and spun in, in certain ways by, by newspapers as I've seen with the Dave King statements. So it's a wee bit of a tricky one for, for PR at Rangers um, but the truth is that it'll be a necessity as opposed to something that's happened because Rangers haven't been run properly. 
I would hate to think where we would be right now if we were still in the clutches of Easdale, uh, Summers, all these guys. Where the hell would we be? We would be in trouble, and I don't think we'd need to be told that we're in trouble. Yeah, well, goodness knows what it would have been like now after, God, what, that would be another five years of their reign. I have absolutely no idea. I'd probably not even playing at Ibrox, in all honesty. They'd, be, they'd have turned it into flats by now, I think. So, yeah, it, obviously it's a period of mass instability and it's a period where people are going to, to focus. How are Rangers placed on the next few months, you know, getting through this? Yeah, so I, I think that's what's been playing in supporters' minds because the, the lack of information come for Rangers isn't a bad thing, right? Because I would be far, far prefer we keep it tight and we let things pan out until we need to speak, right? So I've no question that uh, Stuart Robertson and his board will, be, have, will have been looking at us from day one when it first started. Now, Stuart Robertson comes in for a lot of stick for Rangers fans from time to time because he's not quite what the, the picture a managing director to be to be of Rangers, I think a lot of um, what we envisage, like Peter Lawwell doing at Celtic and being a kind of all-encompassing uh, controller, that that isn't what Stuart Robertson is. Stuart Robertson's an accountant, and I've always been quite comforted by the fact he's an accountant because, first and foremost, once the, the good guys took over, what had to be done was we had to steady the ship and we had to run the books. That was, the, that was the basics. We had to get the books correct and we had to get on an even keel or as close to an even keel as we could before anything else would happen. And see, for that kind of perspective, I think Stuart Robertson's a pretty good guy to have there, right? So it's this kind of scenario where having a, a guy like him probably pays dividends because he'll know the books inside out for a start, which is obvious, but he's also going to have uh, provision for what may or may not happen. Nobody, nobody will have foreseen this. A, a complete economy hall, apart from retail and probably debt collectors, right? But if you look at the, the Rangers accounts, which are fairly detailed, you can kind of extrapolate a wee bit of information from that. So I'll go through it very quickly, but what I would stress here, this is just my kind of thoughts. This isn't me as an accountant. I'm not an accountant. Um, this is purely and simply a starting point for discussion and where we might be as a club. Because we've heard Aberdeen come out and say, right, we've got running costs of X and Y, and this is what we need to do, right? So Rangers have got the same. If you look at the books, we had a, a turnover last accounts, which is the end in June 2019. Uh, so the turnover um, for the up to June 2019 accounts was £53 million, which is about £4.4 million per month. But obviously, it doesn't come in as flat as that. Um, it's more or less front-ended with the season ticket sales. So the income is seasonal. And if you look at the rest of the turnover, David, you can kind of say, right, will this be affected or will this not be affected? So we had £32 million through the doors, through the gates and through hospitalities. That is our match day uh, income. That will be affected because what we've effectively lost is maybe two home games, was that what we missed? And then whatever we had over the split. Now, mm. after the split, we might not have had any home games with the way the fixtures were looking, but so let's say we had two. So it's maybe four home games we've lost there. So in the short term, so let, we don't know how long this will last, but in the short term, we've probably no lost that much, right? This would have been far, far worse if it had happened earlier in the season. You've then got your sponsorships, about £2.7 million, so not a massive amount in the grand scale of things. 
that will be dependent on how the actual team companies are sponsoring us are fixed. So we've got bent companies and the front of strip and all this kind of stuff. So you would hope there would be a diversity of um, contributing partners there that would more or less see most of that remain intact. You've got a broadcast and your prize money. That's still to be seen, right? So we'll, we'll have received the vast majority for this season in terms of uh, broadcasting money domestically. Um, you've also got the UEFA money and the UEFA broadcasting money, which I think will be secure as well. You've then got commercial, four million. The way things have been going with commercial, I think most of that would have been in, in the bank, minus whatever we never received for elite. So the big, big hit for us would be the gates and the hospitality. And most of that has passed for this season. There was only a small sliver left to come in. So it's not to be discounted. But I don't think Stuart Robertson would be sitting there saying, shit, we've lost 10 million quid's worth of gate money. That's not going to be the case. But the kind of big thing that I took for the accounts, looking at it, and again, these are a wee bit out of date because we're, we're a year down the line. There's a thing called EBITDA, E-B-I-T-D-A, which is the truer reflection of day-to-day running. Okay, so obviously the books returned an 11 million loss last year, right? But in true kind of day-to-day running, we probably had a loss of just short of 3 million quid, right? Now, um, that's when you strip out things like... Uh, the um, what's the word? Amortization, a transfer players, and all that kind of stuff, right? So your costs are probably about fifty-six million per year, which is four point six per month. However, a lot of that is match day costs, right? So it's very, very hard to find out what it costs Rangers to run a match, right? But in the in the books, they've got other costs, and it's twenty-two million odds, and it says a, a fair proportion of that is is match day. I reckon, and this is me being fairly conservative, it costs Rangers about 400 grand to run a match. So you can take that away because we've not got any matches to run. So your 56 million costs minus 12, which would be allocated to the running of matches, leaves you 44 million, which means we're probably got a 3.7 million per month that we need to keep the run the club running as it is, pay the wages. Now, that's quite a lot of money. Uh, I don't think money in the bank would have been anywhere near that. Um, the Leverkusen game would have been a significant wee boost and, and with hindsight it's done as very well that we got that in before the, the, the shutdown, if you like, because the profit for that would have been a million and a bit. Okay, probably two million taken in and maybe the best part of a million in terms of cost because hospitality, police and stewarding would have been enhanced. So that's probably sitting in the bank and it's probably why at this point in time I don't think there'll be any major panic from, uh, from, from the board. But in talking about player reductions, because I think that's the first thing that is visible when, when you've seen Hearts asking for 50% drops and you've seen Juventus and Bayern and Barca all talking, because the major cost is the staff cost. Now, our staff costs in these books were 34.5 million. That's everybody. That's the guys, that uh, the medical staff, the, the guys that are maintenance at the stadium, that's everybody. Our first team costs were 23 million. So, that's something to take comfort with because that is only 46% or something of overall, 43% of turnover, which is a good sign, a very, very good sign. If you're looking at a club's accounts and seeing how healthy is this club, you'd look at your wages to turnover ratio, you'd look at their external debt and, and uh, debts due, and those two, on those two things, we, we are very, very good because we have no external debt and the only debt we had was to our, our soft loans to our investors, which are more or less wiped out now. So going into this, 
we are in a far, far better place than most. Um, a wee bit of money in the bank, I'd imagine. But I do think that the longer this goes on, I think it's inevitable that the players will be approached to see some kind of reduction. I think that uh, the, the, they may bring forward the season ticket sales. The big problem for us and for every football club is supporters themselves are going to feel the pinch here because mm-hmm. um, I feel extremely privileged that I'm working for a big company and my wages are intact and I don't need to worry about furlough or anything like this. But you're going to have uh, self-employed guys, you're going to have uh, people that are working that are taking a cut in wages. Absolutely. That is going to pinch football clubs. It's going to pinch everybody in the economy, but it's going to pinch football clubs because the season ticket is um, it's, a, it's not always a, a... Sometimes it's the first thing to go. It's the golf club fees and supplies. It's a luxury. I mean, as as much as, as we all adore our, our football club and love it and live it, I absolutely understand that a family with children going through this, then if you're looking to cut expenses, then that would be one... That would go, and I don't think anyone could could have any complaints about that. In all honesty, no. And, and the thing to remember here is this isn't a Rangers thing. I mean, Celtic and and big clubs down south will feel that they won't feel it so much down south because the majority of their cost, sorry, their income comes from TV. So a lot of what happens to their get their kind of books and what their plans going forward are will depend on how Sky and BT treat their um, their payments due. Mm. And before well, we there's an in- interesting precedent about that, yeah, yeah. I think you're just about to mention. Aye, so you mentioned it, David, just before we came on, um, the Canal Plus, uh, major, major TV company in France, probably the biggest TV company. Um, they're uh, kind of loggerheads with the French Professional League because they're basically going to withhold millions of millions of pounds. If, 152 uh, million. Is it? I mean, that's a, I mean, that's a chunk of change. That's huge. And and if that is the way that TV companies are starting to think, because it's not as if it's too bob they're talking about, it's, it's a lot of money and they've got shareholders and they've got fiduciary duties and everything else. They're no charities. So if that comes back to bite English clubs in the arse, <clears throat> then they will feel as much pain as we do because their biggest um, single... Uh, revenue source. Uh, revenue source is going to be completely side. So um, I, I think... I think we've got a major existential crisis here because by the time this is over, the league that we play in, and as much as we all hate the bastards and how they treat us and everything else, you do need to have a league to play in. A lot of these clubs could be in severe financial distress. Um, the longer it goes on, the worse it will be. And I think Hearts, Aberdeen, who else has spoken about it, Hibs, I think that's just the start. Um, I think there's a lot of things to be fearful of. But again, I don't think Rangers will be in trouble because... What we've went through in the past seven, eight years, um, I always say to anybody that was kind of arguing against their demise or continued demise, was that the story of Rangers is that we're, the support is always going to be there in whatever shape or form, and the numbers will usually be more than others. So the support will see us through, but I think it would be remiss of me not to say that the, the investors will go at the table. And I, again, this comes back to Dave King leaving and Douglas Park coming in and, and how they've... The media's painted it as him walking away. That's a lot of crap because if he's walking away because something's awry, do you think Douglas Park, who's probably one of the most successful private individuals that Scotland's ever seen, is going to walk in and say, I'll take the reins now and I'll take the blame for a downfall? Or John Bennett, who's an incredibly successful fund manager, is going to come in and besmirch his reputation by standing in charge of Rangers when uh, the walls are falling down? It's nonsense. These guys will have a plan. 
they'll be cognizant of the, the demands that are going to be placed upon them. And between the supporters and investors that we've got, which are very lucky to have, I would say that we'll get through this. But I think there needs to be a major recalibration of expectation because where this will impact is, is transfers and so forth. So if you're doing five million because of this coronavirus, that five million holes got to come from somewhere. So it might be the, the, the plain side of stuff and, and the kind of extravagances that we might have seen in terms of player purchases uh, might need to be reined in a wee bit. And the fans will just need to be aware of that. It's, it's, there's no a never-ending money tree at Rangers. This is a, a new reality we're entering into because of coronavirus. I know. It's, it's, that, this is the problem, you know, that, that nobody knows. It's open-ended, so nobody really knows what the future holds for the next three to six months, in all honesty. Nobody, I think, could, could confidently say this is how this is going to pan out. And sport is important. Sport is vital, but it's not priority. You know, you realise in times like this what really matters. So we all understand that it has to be pushed to the background. And it means that people have to focus on real life issues before we can really start to to worry too strongly about football. But if, if you're employed by a football club, you have to make sure you're doing the best for them. But I think we're going to see things in Scotland pretty soon, Andy, like football clubs approaching the government for this um, 80% of wages yeah, being paid. Yeah. We are going to see that. It's up to 2500 a month. So I think that would be the very maximum that, that certain players can have. But I think that if you look at the way that Hearts in particular have taken steps almost immediately... And I think I've been very honest. Some might say a little too honest in all, uh, in all conscience, good conscience. But they, they have come out and tried to, to keep people up to date on what's happening. And I think this is not something that always happens in Scottish football. And it's difficult for us because we know that others won't do this with us. But we need to try and be mature and look at it and say, there will be cuts. There will be things that, that differ. There will be decisions that have to be made that are, are quite difficult. But so long as people are growing up about it, then we'll get through it and the game will get through it. Uh, the bigger worry is, of course, if you're a, a club at the lower end of the spectrum um, and you don't have the fan base that you can turn to, then you're going to be in, in a bit of bother coming through this. And, and as you mentioned, even clubs in England, if, if TV companies say you didn't play the games, we can't pay you the money, then you're looking at huge revenue streams affected. You're looking also at court battles, but they won't get resolved quickly. And a, a massively changed landscape. Yeah, I don't I, personally. I don't think it'll come to that because what if Sky or BT say to clubs will actually are withholding tens of millions of pounds. Effectively, what Sky and BT are doing is damaging the product that they ultimately are trying to sell. But at the same time, there needs to be a, a kind of realization that they're not there if fund. Uh, extravagances like players on 300 grand a week, stuff like that, there's got to be a reality check, so Sky, I think, there will be a compromise somewhere along the line, but there will be teams, I mean there's Aston Villa running at something, their wage bill is something like 175% of what their income is Jesus you know, <laughs> if they're um, if they have a major revenue source cut by any amount they're going to feel it so badly that it could set them back years so um, it's all relative because I'm glad that we're in the position. So when I was talking about the figures there, David, I'm saying about wages to turnover ratio and all this kind of stuff. I, I'm glad that on paper, looking at your books, and I've said this last time, I've not been overly um, 
sycophantic, but I've always been honest in terms of what my understanding of books were. And I thought they were good. I thought they were transparent. I thought they were steady. And I thought they were reflective of where we were as a club since the return for, for disaster, which was we were, running, we were back up to roughly where we were in terms of turnover. But we were also getting the added bonus of having investors kind of supercharge the return by spending a wee bit more and covering up that difference. So we're in a good place getting into this crisis, but there's no no club that will be immune to it. Folk will say to me about Celtic, say, oh, well, they'll sail through it because they're cash in the bank. They're cash in the bank, right? But the cash in the bank was probably the highest point to suit their, their books because one thing that Celtic are good at is making their books look as best as they can. And they have uh, a wage bill that's probably doublers, to be quite they honest with you. They also have 26 million in short-term yes. outgoings. Um, so, so that yeah, that needs to be paid, you know. I mean, this will be other clubs who who they owe that money to in the main, and and those clubs are going to come and say you're due to pay us, um, you know. So that, that I assume the majority of that is transfer money, um, but yeah, exactly. Every club is going to have nobody planned for this. How could they? I mean, this is a, a, an exceptional circumstance we've never seen before. So um, there's there's no way of getting through it in one piece, really, without some hopefully minor. Uh, changes and cuts at your football club and, and some clubs will be affected worse than others. What are your views on Douglas Park? I think we all knew um, that he would be the man stepping into the, the chairman's role. Um, uh, not uh, interim chairman, but any, any thoughts about that rather than just chairman? So I think the same point is what is the chairman? What does the chairman do? So again, a chairman isn't a, a chief executive. He's no kind of day-to-day running a strategic uh, direction of clubs and stuff like that. He's more a, a figurehead for the board um, who can, a kind of senior figure, if you like. Um, Douglas Park is an intensely private person, so Douglas Park and his company are one of the biggest privately owned companies in Scotland. Extremely successful, um, very shrewd guy. His son's following his footsteps, so there's a, there's a kind of continuity planning procession there, which helps us because one of the biggest issues you can ever have when you've got investors is what happens if that investor gets hit by a bus, which was always my fear with Dave King. If something happened to him, what can kind of happen to his guarantees and so forth? So um, I like Douglas Park because he's been under the radar through this whole thing. So Dave King's very much been the kind of public face of the the, the good guys that took over in 2015 or 16 or whatever it was, and <clears throat> he didn't really shy away from it. I don't think he courted it, but I don't think he was he was too worried about being in the papers, and and, and he never liked a, a short statement. So, <laughs> <laughs> Douglas Park, Douglas Park stuck in my mind because he had released a statement that nearly went unnoticed, and it was probably one of the best statements I've ever read for anybody connected to Rangers since this whole. Um, nightmare started back in 2011 and, and I, I put a wee bit of it on, on Twitter the other night when, when he was announced because I thought it just struck the tone for what Rangers should be about and it was defiant but not kind of triumphalist it was just a, it was just everything you would expect from the kind of attitude that the guys that were going to pull us out this mire should have Um and I'm glad that he's stuck around because he's been there with Dave King. And I dare say that him and Dave King have been tighter than publicly they've let on, right? Maybe because of the concert party thing that came past. But I think, and I've always stressed that it's highly unusual to get so many guys with um, a finger in the pie 
financially, right? So we've got all these guys that have come in, put their own money in. Some can afford it more than others. And for there still to be a harmony this time later, that is extremely, extremely unusual. And I think it tells volumes for what the guys went into it with a, a true heart. Um, they're stuck by their principles. The, the Sports Direct thing, they, they, they ponied up for additional there. I think everything that's been asked them, they've done and more. And I think that um, Douglas Park, his history hasn't finished. I don't think Dave King's history is finished with Rangers because I think the Ashley thing is something that he will still keep going with. Um, but Dave King will go down as a legendary figure, right? No matter what you think, because I, I sometimes get accused of being a wee bit kind of fanboy of Dave King. I, I was highly critical of King during the, the Spiv years. I thought he played an incredible game of poker with our club because he wouldn't buy shares um, above the... He wouldn't pay what the, the, the Spivs wanted for it. That's what the problem is. And it's very easy for us to sit there and say, you're a multi-millionaire, just buy them, just buy them. He never, he played a game of poker to get them done. And, and eventually he won out. And I think that um, we're looking at Ashley, right? Now, Ashley's no daft. Ashley is, um, he's a sociopath. He's a modern-day billionaire, right? And we can see in the last couple of weeks how he, how he dealt with the coronavirus, right? Didn't give a shit. All I thought about was the pounds. And then eventually has to come crawling out in public and say sorry, right? Ashley went head-to-head with King. And there's very, very few folk that come out head to head with Ashley and and get anything. What Ashley, uh, sorry, what King did was manage to wrestle Rangers away from uh, Ashley, who was going to have his either by shareholder or by proxy shareholders or by crippling loans, which are as good as owning the club. And he managed to get that away from his grasp. He managed to lock him out along with his uh, fellow investors. And then beyond that, he managed to dilute him to the point where he's pretty insignificant. And the only issue we've got with Ashley now is this fucking uh, retail deal. And I, I, you can say King's done things wrong with the retail deal, but I don't think there's anybody that would have been able to do any better because I think that retail deal was so so bad against uh, Rangers and whoever followed that I, I think it was a poison chalice. And I still think, as I've said many a time on Twitter, will come out of it with either minimal losses or um, will probably come out just breaking even. But regardless of that, principle-wise, we had to stand up to Ashley because we're talking about where we'd be if the Spurs were still in charge. Mm. Ashley's demonstrated time after time after time you cannot have a good faith deal with him. He will do whatever it takes to get what he wants. So you can't again deal with him. End of story. So we had to fight him. So I think King's status as a, a saviour of Rangers along with his, his fellow investors in years to come will be guaranteed uh, but I still think there's a few fun punches to be swung between him and Ashley in the courts for this and I'd be very interested to see what way it goes um, but I welcome Douglas Park to answer your question I welcome Douglas Park, I can't think of many people better than him that I'd like in charge Okay, thank you so much for that, Andy, for breaking everything down for us there. Um, we hope that this answers a few questions. Um, there's lots more on this over on our Patreon site. If you want to come and sign up, it's patreon.com forward slash heart and hand. Um, you might find that it's very useful in helping you get through this. Loads of content, loads of Rangers content, but also loads of just entertainment um, that I know that our subscribers have been thoroughly enjoying. So if you want to pop over there, uh, we have a little 
thing in place. So if you sign up and you were to lose your job through this or have your hours cut or anything that affects your income, don't worry, we'll keep you uh, we'll keep you going um, thanks to the, the wonderful support of the subscribers in our community who donated to Lard Pot to provide for anyone who suffered through that. So it shows you the type of place that it is. Thank you, Andy, for joining me. No worries, David. Glad to get that off my chest. <laughs> Um, no, I'm glad to hear it as well. And uh, our thanks to our executive producers in London, Mike Lee and Paul Miles. Right, everyone, stay safe and remember we are the people. Till we talk to you again, take care. Bye bye. <laughs>